Health and wellbeing is how we kick off our Tuesday afternoons around here. And Peter Mullen, got to say, how are you feeling today? Because doing some computer upgrades, we're actually actually into our other studio, the smaller one. You're feeling okay in this confined space, given well, that given that the whole world is concerned. <laughs> yes. Um. Now I'm feeling really good in this confined space. The only thing I only I'm just catching a glimpse of you through the monitors. That's all right. That might be for better for betterment of both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Today, you're gonna have a look at some stuff for the kiddies. Yeah. Look. Uh, look. Uh, we see as naturopaths, we see a lot of kids, and um, we're calling um, this month Kids Month at um at at where I come from, and so the focus is on kids and kids' health. And one of the things that definitely seems to be changing is that kids seem to be even pickier and fussier with their food. Um, and food choices these days probably than I've ever seen before. No, I won't have it. <laughs> I won't have it. All so, right. yeah, I thought today we'd talk about three essential nutrients that are really important for kids for their health and development. Sounds pretty good. Is on the agenda. And you want to start from the point of view that kids' health has changed. Are you seeing a lot more kids these days uh, in naturopathic and other circles? What has changed? Why has that, What? Why have that, has all of that changed? Well, look, I, I think... Um, you know, one thing like I've been, I've been um, practicing as a naturopath. You like that bit because mm. you think by now you, you I would have worked. Look, it you out. haven't learned how to do yeah, it properly yeah, yet. Yeah. I'm still practicing. So thirty years last year, and um, just health generally. When I first started practicing, um, I'll keep using that word. When I first started using, um, started practicing. Well, how about like, when you first started in practice? There you <laughs> go. Um, like health definitely was less complex than what it was now. Like this day and age, like, you know, every second person's got an autoimmune condition. You know, there's um, anxiety, depression. Like all the symptoms seem to be a lot worse and health generally seems to be a lot more complex. And So you say it's more complex now. Is it that we're just taking a look, a deeper look at a lot of these things or is there something uh, look, else to play? There's definitely that possibility that maybe we're picking up things that weren't there before but say with um a lot of um young young ladies that i see young girls with endometriosis and polycystic ovarian syndrome like definitely these conditions which are really obvious conditions weren't around as frequently as what what i'm seeing nowadays and probably you know it's probably our kids health that i think has really changed almost the most dramatically like we're seeing such a dramatic increase in what's called or what's been termed the four a's autism ADHD, asthma, and allergies generally. You know, these these conditions are sort of racing away at a rate of knots, and yet we're prescribing more and more medication to our kids, antibiotics, Panadol, um, anti-anxiety medication, behavioural medication, antidepressants. We're prescribing more and more medication to our kids, but our kids' health seems to be getting worse. So this, the fact that it's changing and it's ramping up, uh, obviously it's great that we've got the stuff at the at the the back end to deal with it. But what's actually causing more of it? What do we think that might be behind some of these changes? Well, look, I think there's a I think there's a lot of a lot of things that at play, and it's hard to just say, you know, one yeah, one no area. silver bullet, no silver bullet. But it seems to be, you know, when we do talks to the community, like. And I'll often ask that question and what often comes back from the audience are things like, you know, our diet's changed, you know, more processed foods, uh, increased additives and preservatives in our food, um, lower nutrient values in the food that we are eating. Um, but also, too, I, I think um, there's, quite a few, there's quite a few things going on. For me, um, family history, 
you know, plays a role more and more. Conditions like sinus, asthma, eczema, hay fever, um, maybe even conditions like pyrrole disorder, um, and even a predisposition for ADD, ADHD, and maybe autism can be passed from mother to child as well. So, um, so yeah, so I think we're seeing um, more, not necessarily genetic conditions, but predispositions being passed through and and maybe because of changes to the microbiome like i think the big reason why our kids these days have been born already you know quite allergic to things mm. is the change in the microbiome and the microbiome the gut flora is passed from the mother to the baby in the birth process and the theories are that it's possibly the last three generations we've seen so grandmother having given birth to the mother giving birth to the daughter and then the daughter having the children maybe that it's that change in gut microbiome over those three last three generations where we've had increase in, in toxicity in a way the, the family history one moving forward is going to be like a domino effect and can be a bit scary because if we've got more and more people predisposed uh, predisposed to being sick now that is going to be more people in the future that have got a family history of people yeah, with yeah. ailments. Yeah, we really have to try and turn this around somehow, mm. like try and find out what some of these conditions are. But even when, you know, and we talk a lot on this program about the gut health and the microbiome, you know, research is suggesting that our gut microbiome now is a lot different to what it was even 100 years ago. So I sort of think there's definitely a link. Um, nutritional deficiencies and we're going to talk about a couple of my top nutritional deficiencies that I think every kid needs to have assessed and addressed um, and unfortunately just eating these foods or, or trying to get these nu nutrients through diet sometimes is not mm. enough particularly if there's these genetic predispositions um, overprocessed food excessive processed sugar um, and the connection with foods like dairy and gluten, particularly with um, what we term leaky gut. So we didn't see an increased incidence of kids that have gut issues, you know, right off the bat. Um, increased toxicity in our environment. Uh, increased additives, preservatives in our food. Um, and, you know, maybe the overuse of certain medications like antibiotics um, that, you know, Go, go further than in disrupting the gut microbiome. And then the, the big one, the, the, the one that, um, you know, the invisible one or one of the invisible ones is the effect of electromagnetic rate, uh, emissions. You know, the amount of screen time that mm -hmm. kids see or have on computers, TVs, game consoles, mobile phones, like all of this white noise, no one really knows the long-term effect of that yet as well. So all of those things uh, to be taken into account. Well, Peter, a couple of things that can be done to try and maybe correct some of the imbalances that we are seeing. Uh, I guess you want to start off with d some of the dietary things that we can we can shift and change in the family dynamic. Well, look, always, always, I think, when it comes to kids' health, and, and you know, we were talking last week about the um, coronavirus and, you know, ways that really we want to try and, um, you know, boost our immune system and be as healthy as possible this year. I not stay at home for 14 days. That fixes that. Yeah. <laughs> well, not just not just for the coronavirus, yeah. but just for colds and flu generally. I had one of my young clients in yesterday and mum was saying that um, last year they had just cold after cold after cold between her two toddlers. So I thought we, that's, that's just not good for anyone and not mm. good for mums that aren't sleeping as well. So, you know, diet's really cornerstone and getting your kids to eat a healthy diet is a challenge. But um, there's lots of um, help. There's lots of recipes. Um, there's lots of suggestions about how to do this. can be tricky if you've got kids that just will not eat 
any of the any of the veggies. They're like, nope, not eating that, not eating that. I mean, you can't sort of just force it. So yeah, you've got well, to look, think of other there ways. Are, there, look, there are, and there's some sneaky ways of getting those extra veggies and salad into your kid's diet. Um, one of my mums last week was telling me that she makes up a juice every morning. So puts frozen berries in it, like makes up a smoothie, and smoothies are a great way of sneaking in, you know, your baby spinach, a little bit of avocado, um, and you can disguise it with frozen berries, banana, and um, raw cacao. So like, like it tastes like a chocolate banana milkshake. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, but you've snuck in some extra nutrition that they just wouldn't get otherwise. So yeah, but getting help to get your kid's diet as healthy as possible, and the only way to get your children's diet good, because unfortunately I see a lot of kids come in with terrible diets, but on discussion with their parents, often we find that their parents also aren't that fond of vegetables and eating well. So it's a whole family It's the family often. history, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, it can be. Yeah. Um, so the first step in, in getting the diet sorted is to remu- reduce the amount of additives and preserves in their diets um, and then re- re- lowering the amount of sugar and then working out if they do have food intolerances, getting tested for food intolerances and getting those foods out of the diet. But sugar and additives and preservatives are definitely enemy number one. Now, nutrient-wise, my number one nutrient or one of the nutrients I think is really, really important for our kids is um, zinc. And as with anything, you know, you can go, you can eat foods that are higher in zinc. And these are things like um, nuts, legumes, like chickpeas and lentils, pumpkin and sesame seeds, quinoa, rice, oats, eggs, high-quality red meat. So there's zinc in a lot of foods. Unfortunately, Australia being an old continent... Um, the soil levels tend to be low. So even if we're eating good quality stuff that's organically grown in good quality soil, we still may not be getting enough zinc. Um, and zinc's involved in over three to 400 different enzyme reactions in the body. If you're low in zinc, nothing's going to work well. Um, with kids, That's a bummer, isn't it? It's effective in so many different ways. Oh, look, it does. And it's one of those nutrients that's been shown to increase GABA, which is a neurotransmitter which helps kids with anxiety. Um, zinc's been linked to lowered immune system, reoccurring viruses, so it's a really important mineral to get right. Now, the good news is, and our bodies don't store zinc effectively, so you need to eat it daily or, you know, take a supplement really if you are low. Um, now, zinc's one of those nutrients that you can be tested for. So next time you see a doctor, and this is for adults listening out there as well, always ask the doctor to include a plasma zinc. Now. At the moment, because zinc's not being linked to frank deficiencies, like we know if you don't have enough iron, you, it eventually will affect your hemoglobin and you're going to be fatigued. So doctors are happy to test for iron. But because zinc's not linked to any specific frank set of symptoms, often zinc's not tested. And unfortunately, Medicare doesn't like doing extra tests unless there's some, a valid reason. But even if you have to pay an extra, I think it's $33, to ask your GP to check your plasma zinc, um, if your kids are having blood tests, get your zinc levels tested. And then if you need to take a supplement, get onto a really good quality practitioner prescribed zinc supplement. But this year with the cold and flu season coming upon us, um, you know, and all the, the fear around the coronavirus, getting your zinc levels tested is priority number one for mums and dads and their kids all right that's uh, one of the nutrients done and dusted go to get the diet right get the zinc levels right and heading to the uh heading to the phone right now good afternoon chris at lambton you have a question for peter today yeah i do um my daughter's got intermittent yes hi chris hi how are you good thank you 
my daughter's got endometriosis and she's, um, when she has a period, she's in a worse situation. Yes, yes. And she's in that much pain with it. And um, I, she's now seen the doctor, especially on Wednesday, yep. to see if, if something can be done. What can, be, what can she do about trying to help the pain? Well, look. The one of the um, endometriosis is a hormonal. Um, it's caused by a hormonal imbalance, essentially, right. and it's where cells from inside the uterus get outside the uterus and into the abdominal cavity. Right. And um, so a lot of the pain happens due to cramping and spasm, and the fact that those cells then build up a layer of blood that then gets shed when the lady has a menstrual cycle. So right. it's a very inflammatory condition. So one of the best things that helps with the pain is magnesium, taking a oh, right. practitioner, magnesium. practitioner yeah. quality magnesium powder. Right. And um, the other thing that's really beneficial long-term is getting onto good quality fish oil. Fish oil, right. And also um, seeing a, herb, a naturopath that uses herbal medicine, and there's right. a herb, herbal medicine called Chase Tree or Vitex, and that can really help with the hormonal component or the hormonal imbalance associated with endometriosis. But natural medicine can actually do a lot to help manage the symptoms and to try and turn it down. Um, but it can be used in conjunction with whatever the specialist is going to recommend as well. But those three things for starters would be a good starting place. Well, they have suggested she had an operation and I'm... I'm just hoping if she has an operation, she'll, it'll be to get rid of it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's quite difficult to get rid. Um, she may have the operation. It may get rid of a lot of the endometriosis that's there, but I'd still recommend doing the, um, like really it's a condition where you really need, she needs to see a naturopath and get a full picture. Right. But um, definitely even now she could start on those three things and that's going to help her. Um, in you know coming after the operation as well thank you so much for that chris and uh, peter uh, just fortuitously a couple of the uh, uh, nutrients that you mentioned to chris there are the ones that we're going to be wrapping up with today both fish oil and magnesium of course in our conversation for kids yeah look it's it's such a common deficiency with kids is fish oil particularly if they don't eat enough fish and um the fish oils the old story is oils ain't oils again um, there's only a couple of brands, fish oil brands, that I'd recommend in Australia because I know that they come from clean sources and that the companies that then um, bring them to the country go even further above and beyond in making sure that they're contaminant and heavy metal free. So getting good quality fish oil, you do pay for what you get a little bit. Um, so good quality fish oil. And the great thing is there's a new test out. It's called, it's called the Omega-3 Index. So you can have a pinprick to actually tell whether you are in the therapeutic range with your omega-3 fatty acids. So this is a game changer for kids because you can get them tested quite easily to see whether they are actually having enough essential fatty acids. Essential fatty acids for kids make a big difference to inflammation and also brain function as well. So, um, yeah, fish oil. And then the third supplement, and again, you can also have a blood test to get your red blood cell magnesium levels tested. So many kids these days are suffering from um, anxiety, sleep disturbance, um, stress, behavioural issues. I find a lot of kids really benefit if they're low by taking a really good quality magnesium supplement as well. And just a couple of things on magnesium. Uh, it plays a, a bit of a role in what exactly for us, the, by having enough of it? Uh, magnesium, again, helps with um, calming down the nervous system. It helps with kids that get restless legs or growing pains. 
Um, kids that are constantly twitchy or can't sit still um, benefit from magnesium. Um, magnesium deficient kids are often really tickly or sensitive as well, sensitive to tickles. So that can be a sign that they need magnesium. And also kids that um, you know dream a lot of a night time or have night terrors, magnesium can really help. But any child that's having trouble getting off to sleep or trouble quieting their mind of a night time, magnesium is often the first nutrient that I think of. Magnesium and zinc actually in tandem, first two nutrients I think for kids that are having trouble with stress but also if they're having sleep problems as well all right lots to look at there just again a reminder of the three nutrients peter mullen is looking out for kids today fish oil magnesium and zinc mate that's it we are done for another health and well-being as always a great program thank you again thank you mark and i'll see you um next tuesday yeah next tuesday that's when we're here i put that in the diary that's another health and well-being with peter mullen he is back next tuesday Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.